Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The FT. Welcome to the FT Money Show. I'm Jonathan Ely, and this week I'm presenting a special episode devoted to this week's autumn statement. I'll be discussing the proposed changes to pensions, personal taxation and the ISA rules with my FT colleagues Joe Cumbo Hello. and Elaine Moore. Hello. Plus a special studio guest, John Whiting, Tax Policy Director at the Chartered Institute of Taxation. Hello. So, straight to the money news. On Wednesday this week, George Osborne presented his autumn statement to the House of Commons. In days gone by, the autumn statement was primarily concerned with government spending plans, but in recent years it has evolved into a kind of mini-budget, with lots of announcements about tax policy too. Mr Osborne's room for manoeuvre this year was severely limited by the economic circumstances. Because Britain's economic growth has been so sluggish, tax receipts have been less than expected. That means the government will need longer to balance the books and the national debt won't start falling until after the next election rather than before it. So Mr Osborne did not have very much to play with. However, after the debacle of the March budget, who can forget the controversy over VAT on static caravans or the storm over the pasty tax, Mr Osborne was under pressure to offer some relief to Middle England and to demonstrate to his restless coalition partners that he is making the rich pay their fair share. And so he did. There were more pledges to crack down on tax avoidance, both by individuals and by companies like Starbucks and Amazon. The 3p a litre rise in fuel duty, set for January, has been scrapped. And there was a promise to cut more fat in Whitehall and use the proceeds to build more roads, schools and super-fast broadband networks. But there was bad news for those at the top and the bottom. Many benefits will rise by just 1% a year for the next three years, That's around half the current rate of inflation. And there's another raid on pension tax relief for the better off. As had been widely trailed ahead of the statement, the annual contribution limit for pension tax relief will fall to £40,000 from £50,000 now. Joining me is our pensions expert, Joe Cumbo. Joe, this move was widely expected, but can you tell us about the other changes that weren't so widely trailed? Uh, yes. Um, during the past few weeks, there has been a lot of speculation that the, there would be a cut to um, the annual allowance um, from 50k to 40k or 30k, and we saw that. But what was a surprise was that there was an additional cut to the lifetime allowance, which um, wasn't trailed at all. But there was also some better news for income drawdown investors who will see more generous income limits restored um, very soon. But here to discuss 
more about who will be affected by these changes is John Whiting. John, just start with the bad news first. There's the thumbscrew is turning again on pensions, yet uh, in spite of pleas by the industry to leave pensions alone. Can you just talk about who, who's going to be affected? Well, clearly this thing that the maximum that somebody can put into a pension pot in any one year is going to be cut from 50,000 to 40,000, but only from 2014, so it's not immediate, and that's good, you've got time to think. The real people that affects is perhaps the businessman or woman who has a particularly good year or two and can make up. In some cases, it is the woman who perhaps has been out of work, has come back into the uh, work, is doing well and wants to really top up their pension in a few years. I suppose when all said and done, 40,000 is still a reasonable amount to put in. And it's interesting, Jonathan's introduction talked about widely expected. I'd certainly seen plenty of uh, expectations. It was going to go down to 30, so maybe we should be grateful for small mercies. But, of course, this is only the half of it. We mustn't forget the lifetime limit as well, because the overall pot that you can put in is cutting to 1.25 million instead of 1.5 at the same time. We should also mention that this is the second round of cuts to both these allowances well, it in is. Two, two years. Yes, it, it is. And that, I mean, that in itself mm. is interesting, but I suppose shows that it's been seen as a way of getting a bit more money and, of course, from the better off. Uh, is it really yeah. the better off, though? I mean, George well, Osborne talks about the top 2% of people being able to pay £40,000 a year in to their pension. Are other people affected, though, like civil servants, doctors? Oh, yes, because if you're on a final salary scheme, you know, they still exist, obviously, particularly in the public sector. They are potentially caught as well because there is a complex formula for valuing the benefit you get from your salary-linked expectations, and that can get you caught into this so who's at, limit who's, as well. So who's at most risk, then, if you're a, in the civil service Who's at most risk of perhaps breaching the new lower allowance? Well, I mean, interesting speculation that long-serving MPs could yes. be, I suppose, in one sense, but certainly high civil servants. But, you know, let's stick with the private sector. There will be a lot of middle-ranking people in the city and the like, good FT readers, who will think this will catch them because the really high-income people are way above, well, the current 1.5 million uh, pot and they're dependent on uh, pension pots that are basically out with the tax relief system because you know let's just remember this is all about tax relief you can still save more yep. but you're just not going to get that amount of tax relief mm -hmm. so if you're concerned that you might be at risk of breaching these new lower allowances and you could potentially face a tax charge for doing so what should you do? Well, the first thing is think about it quickly because we have 15 months until these come in. But there are some good transitional points. The cut to f from fifty to 40,000 a year, there'll still be the possibility of carrying forward unused 50,000s for three years. So that's good. The cut from one and a half to one and a quarter million pot, there's the possibility of getting protection for an over one and a quarter million pot, just as there was when the limit went down from 1.8 to 1.5. So if you've got less than 1.25 million now, and perhaps you were in future going to uh, build up a pension pot more than that. There is, there is something you can do to pr protect. Well, if perhaps, let's say, somebody's got 1.2 now and yeah. suddenly over this year and the next year lobs a lot in and ends up at 
1.3 and a bit, uh, using the current 50,000 limit, then they can protect that 1.35, let's say, they build up to. They say that is still protected, still gets the tax advantage of a tax-free pension fund, but it comes with conditions, which is fundamentally no more contributions to it. Or That's of quite course, significant. That is significant. Or, of course, if it's one of these final salary schemes, no tweaking to it by your employer or whatever, so no extra benefits. So there's quite a lot of consideration that needs to go into your next step if you're in that It's sort of definitely one to review. And now with pensions becoming less attractive, perhaps for the more wealthier individuals, what are the alternatives in terms of tax-efficient saving vehicles? Well, let's not forget the good old ISA and everything else, but pensions, let's not knock it, it is still a very good tax-efficient way, uh, but the scope for tax efficiency is coming down. No doubt we'll start talking about property and buy-to-lets and things like that, but uh, it's perhaps, if you're really looking at this, don't for, you know, don't get the message that pensions are off the agenda. It's definitely on. But as always, spread your investments. Right. So the message is, even though this, the change is a, a little over a year away, you need to start thinking now. If, if you're, you're going to be so. in the firing line, think about it. Thank you, John. Thank you very much, Joe and John. Of course, you can get the full lowdown on how the pension changes may affect you in this week's FT Money, where we also talk about the changes to the CAPS drawdown rules. You can also read our articles online at www.ft.com forward slash money or in the FT's iPad or Kindle editions. You can also check out the latest annuity rates on our website or use our pensions calculator to see how much you need to save for retirement. Still to come on the show, the exciting changes to the ISA regime announced in the autumn statement. First, though, let's look at the changes to personal taxation. In the coalition agreement of 2010, the government pledged to raise the personal allowance, the money you can earn before you start paying any tax, to £10,000 as soon as conditions allowed. On Wednesday, the Chancellor said that from April 2013, that allowance would rise to £9,440 each year instead of 9205 and it's a fair bet that by the time of the next election it will have reached that magical 10000 level. He added that higher-rate taxpayers would benefit from this change too, and there was a pledge to raise the higher-rate threshold, the level at which you start paying tax at the 40% rate, by 1% starting in 2014. Now all that sounds like great news, taking more people out of the tax net, making work pay and so on. But as ever with budgets, the devil is in the detail. So let's go back to John Whiting, the Tax Policy Director at the Chartered Institute of Taxation and a master of detail when it comes to tax (laughs) rates. John, do these changes really make higher earners, i.e. those paying tax at the higher rate, better off? Well, I think there's an element of less worse off, if we're honest, Jonathan. Um, You To just go back to the beginning, yes, of course, this core personal allowance is going up. It's going up more than we expected. We all, you know, we're currently on eight thousand one hundred and five. We expected it to go to uh, nine thousand two hundred and five. It's going up a bit more, nine thousand four hundred and forty. So, as you say, well on the route to the ten thousand. Must just say that, of course, the older persons' allowance, the sixty-five plus allowances, are now frozen. So there's no extra rise for them on the surface, at least. 
As for the higher rate payers, one of the things we've seen in recent years is as the personal allowance has gone up, the starting point for the higher rate has come down. So in general, the higher rate taxpayer does not benefit. And that trend is continuing, although, as you alluded to, a little way off into the future, so from April 14, there is a little bit coming back for the higher rate uh, taxpayers. The threshold will start to just inch up a little, but the Chancellor's favourite friend, Fiscal Drag, is still going to get him a few bob more from more people being drawn into higher rate tax over the coming years. Okay, and Obviously, there are many more higher-rate taxpayers now than there were, um, say, a decade ago, mm. millions more, I should imagine. If you are, um, if you are a higher-rate taxpayer, do the changes to the personal allowance, i.e. you can earn more before you start to pay any tax at all, compensate for the, for the lowering of the threshold and the level at which you start to pay 40% tax? At what, at what level does that start to make sense? Well, to quote you a few figures, Jonathan, I mean, if your income's about 41000 so you're just below where you start to pay uh, high-rate tax, which currently is about 42500 it's going to be about 41500 So if you've got 41000 you're definitely a gainer. You're going to be uh, definitely better off. But if you pitch it up a bit to, let's say, 50,000 income, then currently your income tax bill, ignore national insurance, separate matter altogether, uh, your income tax bill is just over £9,880 this year. Uh, you were looking at a tax bill of 9900 just over from next year with the latest adjustment that's just coming down a notch and so you know you are just that little bit better off you are going to be slightly less worse off if you like so you're just about on the cusp and what about high earners those people on more than a hundred thousand pounds because the rules um, when you get to those levels are actually very different aren't they? well indeed of course once you get to 100,000, you start to lose the personal allowance. It starts to be clawed back so that it's this effective 60% marginal rate of tax. Now, in one sense, the good thing is that as the personal allowance goes up, the uh, level before you actually lose all your personal allowance in turn goes up. So at the moment, it's just over 116,000, starting from next April, it's going to be at about 119,000. So there's a little bit extra in that sort of modest bracket. But if we're talking somebody who's in the really 120,000 upwards, well, of course, changes to personal allowances don't make any difference. Uh, They, of course, will be looking forward a little higher. And if you're over 150,000, let's not forget that the top rate is going to come down from 50 to 45% for the 150,000 plus tranche of income. Okay, and you mentioned national insurance there. There were some changes to national insurance in the autumn statement as well, quite small ones. Can you just explain those? Well, there's some very modest tweaks to the levels at which you start to pay national insurance. Those are just going up uh, a little bit and, uh, again, sort of one or two little changes in some of the more minor Uh, national insurance rates but unfortunately it doesn't amount to much i mean for example the class three voluntary rate goes currently it's 13 pounds 25p a week it goes up to 13 pounds 55 so uh, what 
perhaps people were fearing, which is that the main rates of national insurance, uh, the 12% rate, the 9% for the self-employed, were they going to change? Or perhaps more likely, the 2% for the higher income, was that going to change? No, no sign of that in this statement not even a hint, I think, that it might come in the future. But, of course, you can never rule these things completely out. Indeed. Thank you very much, John. And page two of this week's FT Money includes a full summary of the changes to personal taxation, plus all the other key autumn statement news. And it's all on our website, too, at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, we look at perhaps the most unexpected measure announced in the autumn statement. George Osborne said the government would increase the ISA allowance to £11,520 from April. But he also said that it would consult on allowing AIM shares within the ISA wrapper, something that the government has previously been opposed to. AIM is the London Stock Exchange's market for smaller companies. Its listing criteria are less stringent and ongoing regulation is lighter. Companies admitted to AIM tend to be smaller and their share prices can be more volatile. Previously, politicians had worried that putting riskier shares into ISAs could lead to investors making big losses, which might undermine the ISA brand. Elaine Moore has been looking at this in more detail. Elaine, what do you think lies behind the change of heart? Well, I suppose the first thing I should say is that it's not necessarily a change of heart yet. So all that was announced was that there'll be a consultation on whether this should be allowed. But the idea that there's even a consultation on it is uh, a big development. And when we were all watching the autumn statement yesterday, that was something that elicited a bit of a, a kind of shock from all of us because it was not something that had been flagged up, not something that we were expecting. But it is something that has been talked about a lot in the private investment world for quite a while. Some of the FT Money columnists have repeatedly called for this change to be put in place. Um, So it's something that a lot of private investor groups are very happy about if it does come to pass. I think one of the reasons behind it is the government wants to encourage investment in enterprise. So it knows that smaller companies are struggling to raise funds. If you allow investors to put these shares into their ISAs, then it could increase investment in the junior market and that could help smaller companies. AIM shares have another advantage for private investors as well. Can you ex- perhaps, John, could you explain the, the, the business property relief uh, issue? For- yes, and it, it's an interesting one that this idea of AIM will be allowed in ISAs because throughout the tax system you've got this sort of divide between quoted and unquoted. And what you're alluding to, Jonathan, is that for unquoted shares there are things like better business property relief for inheritance tax. And the question has always been, where do AIM shares fall on this quoted-unquoted divide? And generally, for a lot of things, they've been regarded as unquoted, and that's despite the way that AIM has developed. So you're right, at the moment, AIM shares do um, look very promising for an inheritance tax planning portfolio because you're getting the better level of um, business property relief. I just the thing that flashed through my mind, uh, Elaine, when you know I heard this was, you know, is this going to be a real reappraisal of the sort of place of aim? Which I mean, validly could say, look, we're a fully fledged stock exchange in many ways. Why not treat us as one? Because that 
just could be a bit double-edged if it really went through, couldn't it? There are some household names on AIM, which makes it quite interesting as well. And that's something that investors have long talked about, the idea that there are some companies, ASOS, companies that have performed really well. Mm. Because they're on AIM, you can't put them on your ISA. And also, if a company then chooses to go on to AIM and you're already investing in it, you've got to take it out of your ISA wrapper, which is an irritation. It's quite an annoying thing to have to do. I think also the really interesting thing is that AIM shares are already allowed in uh, self-invested personal pensions. So there's a, as well as reappraising what AIM shares are, you've also got a potential reappraisal of where long-term investing is going. Mm. So is it in pensions or is it in ISAs? ISAs already are very popular. They're allowed, they allow flexibility. This would allow greater flexibility, could encourage more investment in ISAs. But it might just, as I say, be just this harbinger that we might get a few changes to the status of AIM within the tax system. And in many ways, it would be logical to have a review because it has undoubtedly grown up. As you say, there's some serious companies on AIM. It's not just small companies trying to get finance, although it is in many cases. So you do wonder if there's going to be a bigger review in this. No sign of it yet, but I, you know, so sort of watch this space as to where it's going. Okay, so assuming the consultation comes out in favour of allowing uh, AIM shares into ISAs, investors may have another 1,400 companies or so to choose from uh, when they're evaluating what to put in their self-select ISA next year. That's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you can read lots more analysis of the autumn statement in this weekend's FT Money, and there are a few other things to look out for too. We've an interview with investing legend Jim Slater and his fund manager son Mark, And in a hard-hitting guest column, Michael Johnson of the Centre for Policy Studies argues that George Osborne should have gone much further in the autumn statement and scrapped pension tax relief altogether. Don't forget that you can get weekday news updates on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me, Elaine, Joe, and our special guest, John Whiting. Goodbye. Bye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.